Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you, and a very happy Easter to everybody. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the be-all and the end-all of the Christian faith. Friends, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, all of us priests and bishops should go home and get honest jobs. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all those who stand up and profess Christian faith are basically crazy. As Paul put it, remember this, Paul himself said, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, our preaching is in vain, and we are the most pitiable of people. So think of, you know, Paul saying his own preaching, but by extension, the preaching of every great Christian over the centuries. From Chrysostom and Jerome and Augustine to Thomas Aquinas to John Henry Newman to John Paul II, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, all of that is basically a waste of time. And all those who believe the Christian faith are pitiable. That's what's at stake here in believing in the resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, it's no good trying to explain the resurrection away or to rationalize it. That's what a lot of theologians in the 20th century tried to do. Explain it away as a myth or it's a symbol or it's an inner subjective experience. I guess they felt that made it easier to believe. But my point is, it's not worth believing. If that's all it is, I agree with Paul. Uh, our, our preaching's in vain and we're the most pitiable of people. Because see, none of that subjectivizing business does justice to the sheer strangeness and novelty of the biblical message. Something is at stake in the New Testament that's beyond just spiritual insights. I mean, we can find spiritual insights all over the place. But there's this claim, everybody, at the heart of the New Testament, that Jesus, who was crucified, put to death, was raised from the dead through the power of the Spirit. That's the message upon which everything else hinges. It comes down to this. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, Christianity is a fraud and a joke. But listen now. If he did rise from the dead, then he must be the absolute center of our lives. Do you see what I mean when I say it's the hinge upon which everything turns? There is no third option. Don't try to water it down or make it a bland sort of middle ground. There's no third option. If he didn't rise from the dead, Christianity is a joke. If he did, then he must be the absolute center of our lives. And the Christian message is the be-all and the end-all. Now, what I want to do in the course of this brief homily is develop just a, a handful of lessons, I think, or insights that follow from the fact of the resurrection. Here's the first one. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then this world as we know it 
is not it. Now, here's what I mean when I say that. I mean, this world as we know it is not all that there is. We live our lives within the you know reasonable assumption that the natural world as we've come to know it, and as we've come to describe it through the sciences and discern it through common sense, is the final framework of our lives and activities. You know, this world of, of space and time and matter and ordinary experience, well, that's, that's the world. Everything, you know, we suppose, takes place within the theater of the world as we know it. Well, as we all know, one of the most powerful and frightening features of this world is the fact of death. Right? Every living thing, from cells and insects all the way up to us, every living thing dies and stays dead. Broaden it out a little bit, everything in this world comes into being and then eventually fades away permanently. Think here of, you know, everything from mountain ranges to planets to galaxies. I mean, things come into being. They last for a time, but we last for just, as the Bible says, 70 years or 80 for those who are strong. A mountain range lasts for eons, millennia. Galaxies, I guess, last for, you know, billions of years and all this. But everything comes into being and eventually passes away. In fact, scientists tell us that this is true of the universe itself. The whole shebang, the whole universe comes into being and then one day will pass out of being. But what if this were not, in fact, the case? What if, everybody, death did not have the final word? What if this passing and fleeting and evanescent universe is not the totality of what is real? What if, I'll use biblical language now, through God's power and according to his providence, a new heavens and a new earth were being born? What if the laws of nature that seem so absolute are not in fact as ironclad as we thought? The resurrection of Jesus from the dead shows us as definitively as possible that God is up to something greater than we imagined or thought possible. Let me say that again. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead shows that God is up to something greater than we could possibly have imagined or thought possible. And therefore what? Well, therefore, we don't have to live as though death were our master. In fact, Paul, who saw the risen Jesus, can taunt death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Well, I mean, what do you mean, where is thy sting? Death, you have the final word. I mean, death wins every time, right? That's a common sense view of the world. Now, a scientist might put it more uh, rationally, but it's the same thing. Death, you win. What does resurrection faith tell us? No, death, you don't win. Death, you're not the final reality. This world as we know it, that comes into being and fades away, is not the final reality. 
In fact, in light of the resurrection, we can begin to see the world as we know it, the ordinary world, as a kind of gestation period, a time of growth and maturation, destined to be transformed into something higher, something more permanent, something more splendid. Does that make sense? Think of the world as a kind of womb in which we're coming to maturity, a time of development. We're not meant to live here ultimately. Is it good? Yes, God made this world. He found it good. He found the totality of things very good. But a baby's not meant to live in the womb permanently. A baby's meant to be born into a higher world. So are we. So are we. There's a first lesson, I think, of the resurrection. Here's a second lesson now, derived from this permanently disturbing fact of the resurrection. The tyrants know that their day is done. Remember, the cross was Rome's way of asserting its authority. If you run afoul of us and our purposes, this is what we will do to you. That's what the cross said. We will torture you to death in the most excruciating way possible. And again, that word excruciating from ex cruce, from the cross. That's, that's the worst pain they could imagine, the excruciating pain of the cross. If you cross us, pun intended, we will torture you to death in that way. We will leave your body to waste away and be devoured by the beasts of the field. That's what the cross meant. If someone in Jesus' time saw the, the image of, the, of a crucified person, they'd be horrified by it. It'd be like for us seeing someone hanging dead from the end of a, of a rope. Well, see, the threat of violence is how tyrants up and down the centuries have asserted their authority. Might makes right. The crucified Jesus would have appeared to anyone who was watching the crucifixion to be one more affirmation of this principle. Caesar always wins in the end. Just as we said earlier, death seems to have the final word. Well, tyrants seem to have the final word. Those with the most power, they win in the end. But see, when Jesus was raised from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, the first Christians knew that Caesar's days were numbered. Jesus had taken the worst that the world could possibly throw at him, and he returned alive and triumphant. And this is why the risen Christ has been the inspiration for resistance movements up and down the centuries. In our own time, watch how deftly John Paul II wielded the power of the cross in communist Poland. You know, it's wonderful that those days in early June 1979 when John Paul went to Poland, still in the icy grip of a communist dictatorship, and while the government was seated up there on the, on the dais, John Paul's addressing a giant crowd in Victory Square in Warsaw. But right behind him was this enormous cross. How wonderful. I mean, the, the presence of this ancient symbol of tyrannical power. And there it was, because Christians know through that cross, they triumphed over this sort of power. Once again, Faculty lounge interpretations of the resurrection as a subjective event or a mere symbol is exactly what the tyrants of the world want, for that poses no real threat to them. 
But the real cross and the real resurrection is always a taunt to tyrants. Here's the third and final great lesson of the resurrection, that the path of salvation has been open to everyone. Paul told us, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave, accepting even death, death on a cross. There you hear the the first century, don't you? You hear how horrifying the cross was. Here's what Paul means. Jesus went all the way down. He journeyed into pain, despair, alienation, even God-forsakenness. Christ on the cross saying, God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He went as far as you can go away from the Father. Now, why? Why? Well, in order to reach all of those who had wandered from God, who had wandered from the divine love. And so in light of the crucifixion, listen now, even as we run as fast as we can away from the Father, Where are we running? We're running into the arms of the Son. This opening up of the divine life, see the Son going all the way out, all the way down, gives us access to the divine life. That's why when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, when everything is subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subjected to the one who subjected everything to him so that God may be all in all. See, that's a hope, everybody, that's born of the cross and resurrection. The resurrection shows that Christ can gather back to the Father everyone whom he has embraced through his suffering love. Three great lessons from this, how would I put it, this enormous feast of the resurrection, the hinge, the be-all, the end-all of Christian faith. Celebrate it today, everybody. Celebrate it with joy. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.